And hello. Oh, hello. Hi. This is my NPR voice. Welcome to NPR. Welcome to RPN, so we don't get sued by Today. NPR. Today we'll be talking about mayonnaise <laughs> and various temperatures left out in the sun. Should you bathe in it? How good is it for your skin? <laughs> we will talk about this for four hours straight, and then we will have guests talk about it some more. <laughs> then we will do a cute little quiz game show about mayonnaise and everything we've talked about. Your tax dollars at work, this is NPR. <laughs> I love NPR. I know, we're being real mean to NPR nah, right now. Yeah, that's, we're, it's just because we're improv and we're assholes. But NPR is lovely. Yeah, they're pretty all right. And mayonnaise is okay. <laughs> and mayonnaise is fine. <laughs> Neutral towards mayonnaise, that's fine. Um, so, hello, we're back. We are back. This is Gucci. We failed at functioning last week. We sure did. You want to talk about our little tiny so, failure? Well, what happened was we gave ourselves three weeks off, basically, yep. by having guests every week, and then failed to get our shit together in time yep. to do a proper episode. Yeah. Um, I failed to even make note of it on the Facebook page, because that's how horrible <laughs> well, at this I've become. So, um, You know, we're pretty consistent. We typically turn out an episode every week, you know, with every few now exceptions. And then, every now and then we get to have a break. Yeah. But... I usually like to go on the Facebook and let it be known that we're taking a break. I didn't even do that. So I'm sorry for that little lapse. <laughs> we're back. We're back. We, we, we have did, we an did our action homework plan. And we are super sorry. We're going to try to... Part of... We've talked about it before, but part of the issue is that this is... Uh, doing this podcast is a part-time job. It kind of is. And that's, that's the thing. Is, and it's Dave weird. has another podcast, which is kind of a part-time job. Yeah. Not as much. That one's mostly just you know. But you do all the you do all the, the editing for this stuff, so it's a little more so for you. Yeah. Um, and then we have the friend stuff we do every week, which mm -hmm. is a part time job. Like <laughs> I love the social life we have, but it is more of a social life than I've ever had in my entire life. It's yeah. ridiculous. Well, it's like we do stuff that's like consistent, which is great. Like that's. I think it's really important to have routines in your life and things I've that you get excited for every week. And I'll say it again. If it weren't for you, I would not have the social <laughs> life we have and I would not have standing arrangements because that's something that typically gives me a lot of anxiety. Oh, but it also brings me a great amount of joy. So yeah. I do really like doing it. But it can be a lot. And then on top of that, I have roller derby, which is a part-time job. So it's we like, have practices at least once a week, right? Yes, technically they are scheduled twice a week, but I usually only go to one because yeah. the other one usually conflicts with my schedule. Now the second practice of the week, since the days just changed, is on Wednesday nights. So yeah, that doesn't really work for me. But um, basically, what I'm the excuse I'm making here is that. <laughs> We each have full-time jobs. I know. Listen, and listen then, to us complaining about how much fun we're having. Right. And then <laughs> and then our lives are such that we basically have several part-time jobs that we just do for fun. And yeah. 
that's great, but sometimes it's overwhelming and a little bit of anxiety and poor planning mm-hmm. got us to this place where we were just like not giving ourselves enough time and getting overwhelmed. Yeah. So we're trying to mitigate that and we're going to assign each other topics a little further out, give ourselves a little more time so we mm-hmm. don't feel so rushed. And I feel part of the problem for me is like I would put it off because I was overwhelmed and then I would do the research and just feel like I wasn't doing enough research and wasn't giving a good enough yeah. episode. So Yeah, and you want you want to feel like you, you want to feel more. like you're doing the best of whatever you're doing no matter what that is. Right. If you if you ever feel like you're not doing the best version of whatever you're doing, it's not a great feeling. So when the when the episodes still suck, you can just <laughs> just know that it's because we're horrible. Oh, let's be very clear. We're not <laughs> promising to improve the quality of this shitty right. little show. Right. Only that we are going to feel better about how we're doing it. <laughs> It's going to be exactly as bad. Yeah, you're not going to notice a difference. I, right, Frankly, I'm already underwhelmed about what we're going to do in the future. I can see <laughs> it ahead of me in my mind's eye. Um, it's just a gray little dot. <laughs> but this is just our way of letting you know that we're trying just enough so <clears throat> no one gets on our backs about it. Yeah, that's about it. Just basically, you know, just don't give me a hard time. All right? Yeah. Uh, ca- and capiche? we don't make any money doing this. Capiche? This is just for us. Yeah. And the five people who listen wow. that we who, who continuously we, uh, let down. <laughs> uh, that's that's good. That's concise. I, yeah. I think that's a good wrap up. So we have some delicious wine we here. That's, do. that's what we should talk about. Yeah. What we did this weekend. Yeah. What this oh past gosh, weekend. What the heck did we do this weekend? I went to Pittsburgh. Oh, yes. That's right. For a bachelorette party. Much fun was had. Um mm-hmm. Congrats to Grace and Matt. Yes. We are both going to be on their wedding. That's going to be super fun. Yeah, really exciting. It's coming up on like, it's like three weeks away or something. Yeah, and that's a first for us. We've never been in a wedding together. That's true. I mean, the both of us have been in weddings. Never together. It's Mm going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I Um, think so. You guys had the bachelorette party while we had the secret bachelor party, which was the the bachelor party didn't work out for everybody, so we just kind of had another one. Yeah, just, just hang chilled out. and yeah. yeah, had friend time. That's um, good. But meanwhile, you ladies were in Pittsburgh seeing yes. all kinds of wacky stuff. We did the thing. Um, it was nice. It was a combination of like going out, but also doing like fun, sort of adulty, low key stuff. It was, I think, exactly what Grace wanted. Yeah, she mentioned at one point that it was exactly what she wanted, and I'm glad she had a good time. Yeah. Um, but we went to. The Phipps Conservatory, which I love a good conservatory, yeah. and I highly recommend Phipps. Yeah. Um, they have a project going right now where they're, like, replacing the glass in one of their rooms, so they're, like, trying to bring it back to its former glory. And not that it looks really bad right now, but it's one of those things that can use updating after yeah, sure. many years. So they're working on that. Um, it's beautiful there. They have a butterfly room, which is always really cool. Yeah. Um, your mom would enjoy that because yes, I know she, she likes would. the butterflies. My mom loves butterflies. They have like signs like, don't touch the butterflies, but occasionally they will land on you. So like, I kept making jokes like, you can touch the butterflies, but the butterflies <laughs> gonna touch you. <laughs> that's the law. That's the law. You can't touch butterflies, but if they come up to you, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, they could do that. <laughs> They're immune to the law because you're butterflies. Yep. Um, and then they also had this like 
interactive room and it had a bunch of stuff going on. But one of the things it had going on was there were a lot of plants, wildflowers planted specifically to attract bees. So I love bees and the other people who are with us also love bees. So every five seconds we're like, it's a bee. I, um, I have to write this down that you just mentioned the bees thing again because I totally forgot one of the Black Mirror episodes I want to watch with you tonight is all about bees. Oh, okay. I'll watch that one. You're going to not like bees for a minute. Aw, don't do that to me. I love bees. <laughs> um, but no, that was really fun to see all the different bees. And yeah. it was kind of a room meant for children, so it was perfect for me. Um, there was... <laughs> Lots of interactive things to do. There was like basically like a xylophone, but like hanging vertically made out of wood planks and Mm -hmm. they had a big mallet attached to it. So you could like play with it. Yeah. So every time we walked by it, which was several times because we took a couple laps around this room, um, I would just pick up the mallet and go down the planks and I have to do it every time. They had a little sprinkler thing just like misted you you stood under this archway and pressed a button and you got misted yeah um and it had a bunch of other things i had a little section that was like feel all these plants which i had been doing the whole time in every room anyways but yeah i was allowed to in this room (laughs) it's like by the time it caught up with you that you shouldn't be doing that everywhere you're like "Eh, too late (laughs) gonna do it anyway I'm just waiting for the room of poisonous plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should probably advertise that clearly sooner, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know that there's really like that they're like, don't touch. Because a lot of times the plants are growing into like the pathway. Like you have to touch them to get around them. Sure. So I, it was just funny that that room specifically said it. And I was like, whoops, <laughs> too right. late. But it was um, really nice. I enjoyed myself there. And then we all went back to the hotel and chilled out for a bit as a group decision. And we were felt feeling very lucky that we were all of the same mindset of like, yeah, nah, we don't have to be doing something every second. We can go chill in these comfy beds for five minutes before yeah. we do more things. Um, we went out to dinner after that. We got um, hibachi. That's our, right. Uh, Chef was really cool. Everyone there was really cool. The food was great. I tried a sake bomb for the first time. Yeah, to Grace's Grace, horror, Grace apparently. Was horrified. <laughs> apparently, because the way you described it is there, someone took a picture of you and someone else taking the, the... A video. Yeah, okay. So you're both doing the sake bomb, and behind Grace is like, what the well, fuck? the thing with sake bombs is that, well, neither of us, me or Elise, who were the ones doing <clears> it, had ever done one before. So they asked if we'd like to do a sake bomb, and we're both like, yeah, sure. And then they hand us chopsticks, and we're like, what are these for? (laughs) But basically, they have, like, you have a shot glass that you sit. You have a glass full of alcohol. I don't even know what it is still. God. Um, But then you have sake in a shot glass. Okay. And you set up your chopsticks on top of the bigger glass, and you put the the shot glass on top of it and then you bang your hands on the table in front of your glass um so that the so they separate and, and the shot glass falls into your glass and then you chug it <laughs> uh, it's kind of fun so that's why she was horrified is because we're just slamming on the table and she's like oh 
what's going to happen? Yeah, it's like going to go bad. It's they're way also, more exciting than just dropping the thing. Right. And there also wasn't a whole lot of space between like us and like the grill. It yeah. just was not a very spacious hibachi table. Sure. So you got like a it foot maybe. It could have gone poorly, but it didn't. It was delicious. <laughs> but it didn't. Um, everything there was great. And then we went to a place called, um, well, we went to a winery because they had a sign outside that said wine slushies and they know how to get my attention. Mm -hmm. So we went and had some samples of wine, one of which is the wine you and I are about to drink. Super excited about this. It's called Heritage Wine Cellars Crescendo. It is a fortified wine. Aged in rye whiskey barrels with notes of cherry and oak. Yeah. I'm now looking at the uh, bottle. So we both have modest glasses <laughs> of it in front of us, and that's about half the bottle right there. Yeah. The yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> Great sound. Good for the good for the podcast. I'm going to keep it going. <laughs> it's a 375 milliliter bottle. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a smaller it's bottle. It's like a skinny... Right. Skinny bottle, but... It's also like, what, an 18% wine, so it's It's 18%, and it was only 14 bucks. Mm. I feel like that's a pretty good price, because I'm going to be drunk after, like, one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, This is one of the ones I sampled, and I really liked it, and I thought you would really like it, so I bought a bottle. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm just kind of looking at it. Um, Just kind of sizing it up. We also stopped in... Oh, God, it's looking at me. Oh, no. Let me turn it away. Oh, no, me, I'm going to make the sound again. Oh, my God. Um, I feel like he's judging me. <laughs> <laughs> You're being a weirdo. <laughs> There's not even anything face-like on this bottle. No, to, but he, like, but he turned you. his face away. I feel like he disapproves of me. I did that. I uh, disapprove oh, you of you. Did. That's right. That was you. That's right. Um, then we went to Lane Bryant so I could buy underwear because someone... Packed, Who will remain nameless. Packed a suitcase and then uh, immediately left it in my car <laughs> in the someone, driveway. Someone that so wasn't you. Uh, at Grace's house since she was driving. So I didn't care about anything else. We were only there at night, but I needed underwear. So yeah, right. that had to happen. Um, we went to Sing Sing, which is uh, not a prison. Well, it is, but not this one. <laughs> It's a Dueling Pianos bar, which was a really fun experience. Not my first, but my first time going to that specific one. And uh, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. You haven't lived until you see some white guy play a piano version of a remix to Ignition. You know, why has he got to be a white guy? Because he was. What's, is that really, though? Is it, he is was. it because he actually was that he has to also be? Yeah. I mean, he could have been black. These particular ones were not. <laughs> okay. And any that I have ever seen working at uh, Dueling Piano Bars haven't been. I accept this explanation. This then, is good enough for me. Um, I Sesame Street popped in my head. C's for cooking. That's good enough for me. <laughs> my brain Christy, works in focus. such weird ways. I'm sorry. I'm real. <laughs> Scattered right now. Um, <laughs> then we went out to another bar. We ran into the chef from the hibachi place, talked yeah. to him for a little bit, um, and got an Uber back <clears throat> to our hotel and slept gloriously in the comfy, comfy beds. But that it was nice. a very fun day. Can I tell? Uh, can I tell my 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 day that day? Yeah. Uh, we had lunch. We hung out. Where'd and you had beer. eat lunch? 
Oh, you told me, but I want you to say. <laughs> we went to the Village Pump. We had a really nice lunch. We went back to Matt's place. We chilled out, had some beer, talked with uh, our buddy Bob. You talked about watching a movie. We talked about watching a movie and then didn't. It was yeah. a pretty good day. Sounds good. <laughs> pretty, pretty equivalent. Yeah, just about the same. I think so. Yeah, we had a really mm. nice time, though. I mean, you know, like, uh, there's all these rituals that lead up to a wedding, you know, because obviously it's a big special day. It deserves to be sort of uh, celebrated before it's celebrated in a way, you know, and, and you know, people's people's lives are different afterwards. So you kind of want to, you know, celebrate their singlehood and then kind of usher them into being married. And um, it's special. It's fun. It's nice to be a part of it. And I'm really happy for those two in particular. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's nice. It is. It's nice. It is nice. For a person who doesn't necessarily want to get married herself, I do love weddings. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm always weird at them. I never know what to do with myself at them, but I, I, I appreciate being there. I appreciate being invited. Though it is different when you're in it. Yeah. Because you have a job. You have a job. That, that does makes change it easier. things. Yeah. I would be like a professional wedding goer if I could. <laughs> I really like weddings. Is that like 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 being a wedding crasher, where you just kind of show up no, at weddings all like, the time? Like people would pay me to come to their wedding, I'd be okay. into that. Let's lay out I, this scenario. I would even like help organize. But what I'm saying is, I should be a wedding planner, but <laughs> yeah, I don't have the like. skills or the resume or the experience to be a wedding planner. <laughs> So what I'm saying instead is people should just give me money and I'll come to your wedding. I will show up at your wedding. And I will have a great it'll be time. Cool. And I'll leave at yeah. a proper time. Yeah. That's a pretty good service. I'll add literally nothing to, <laughs> to this day for you. Here, finish this sentence. Christy, I would like to hire you as a professional guest at my wedding because blank. Oh, man, that's so difficult. I feel like I'm on a job interview. Yes. Why would you be the perfect wedding guest? Because I have extra money and I want to give it to you. No. Um, okay. I will damage control, minimize drama. Okay. You're out there. You see like get people you know, on the crazy dance uncle, floor. Crazy uncle's getting fired up. You're like, nope, you go to the bar. You get out of here. Yeah, make the handsy old perfect grandpas get... Away, not be so handsy and pervy. Oh, it happens. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, Okay. Just like damage control in general funness. Okay. That's what it says on the name tag that I'm going to (laughs) wear. Your your general funness. Yeah. I'm here for damage control in general funness. General funness? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, this is. I just turned into a job interview, and now I'm feeling a little (laughs) ill equipped. You you get a little nervous? Yeah. Palms are sweaty. Don't be worried. You're hired. Mom's (laughs) spaghetti. There's spaghetti on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. Uh, He opens his mouth. Mom's spaghetti. Spaghetti spaghetti won't come out. (laughs) Oh, geez. Um, Let's try this wine real quick. Yeah, let's have a sip of this wine here. This delicious. Mmm, fortified mm, wine. Drinking sounds. Ooh, mm. there is a lot of cherry flavor in that. Mmm. The thimble full I tasted wasn't really enough to get the full experience. Oh my god. I very really cherry, like that. Very oaky. Yeah, cherry oaky. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like where you sing. That's where you sing songs at yeah. a bar, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. It's like so, Friday night karaoke. Yeah, I love that stuff. That's very good. It's it's it is very it's uh, the cherry is very pronounced. You can definitely taste that oak thing all over it. I feel I like don't get like a super. I could tell that it's high alcohol, but not because it doesn't like it's not hard going down or anything. No, it's but very it's, it's like boozy on your breath. Yeah, you know, that like thing. if you drank a decent amount of this and then like saw someone who hadn't been drinking with you, they'd be like, oh. <laughs> What have you been having? They would know about 15 feet away what you'd be getting into. Yeah. I like it. It reminds me of, um, not because of flavor, but just because I like it, um, the blueberry wine (coughs) scene from Parks and Rec when Ben gets drunk on blueberry wine and he's talking to Ron and he's just like making no sense. Well, he like Leslie calls him and he says something about how I just uh, just told Ron, I found out about how my dog is Jewish or something (laughs) and then drops his phone in a puddle and goes, oh, and it just lands. Like he's just like talking nonsense. And then he says something about blueberries, like blueberries got me drunk or something. I I got blueberries got me drunk. My whole mouth is blue. I learned that uh, my dog was Jewish or something like that. Like, (laughs) There's just all kinds of gibberish. I love that scene. <laughs> I really like that episode. But seeing Ben be like super drunk and goofy is Ben is Wyatt a delight. drunk and Ben Wyatt in the hospital hopped up on pain meds are the yeah. two best things on that show. Yeah. I think I remember he was in the hospital and he's looking at the TV and Leslie's on TV and he's sitting there going, hey, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> like by himself. Yeah. <clears throat> Um. Yeah, I so, love that show. I and really this like this wine. Yeah, what is that called again? It is called Heritage Wine Cellars Crescendo, and the label has like a sheet music on it. Yeah. Well, I really like it. I would recommend yeah. people drink that. I do recommend. I would kind of like to look it up later and see where we could acquire this locally, yeah. if you know, possible. The thing is, even if we, even if it's not like in stores around here, there's probably a handful of places we could get it. Like I also, bet somewhere like the Pittsburgh's not that far, right? But I feel like uh, you know, Vintage might be able to get that in something like Vintage oh. Estates might have that. So we shall see. We'll look into it. It's very good. Yeah, it's not obviously it's not an all the time wine, right? No, eighteen percent. That's a little bit intense. And even though fourteen bucks isn't bad for a bottle, it's not like. A large bottle. Yeah, right. But it's definitely something I wouldn't mind having on hand on occasion. For just such an occasion as... uh, For just such an occasion as our 50th episode. Oh, it is that. It is. Oh, man, it's really nice that we broke out the wine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was thinking about about this earlier. I was thinking this is kind of a special night. It wasn't planned on my part. You thought about it. Yeah, it's it's our 50th episode of this show. That's that, nice. That is not nothing. It is not. You know, uh, give give or take, you know, we've been doing this for <clears throat> something like a year now. Um, yeah. Getting close to it. Getting pretty close. Yeah. I would like to do something kind of special for the one year, but I don't know what. We'll have to talk about that off mic. Yeah, let's think about that. Do like a uh, like little, a one year special. A little special treatsy. A little special. A little special. Just something special. Something for the babies. <laughs> 
Samen voor de baby's. Samen voor de baby's. Samen voor de baby's. Samen voor de kostelijks. Ja, dat is nice, ja. All right, I feel like this is going a little long. Yes, it is. Um, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Let us continue. On to what? On to, you know, there's this thing that we do uh-huh. called Truths and News. Is that what it is? It is. Is it? Is that that game with the brand new jingle that's sweeping the internet? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the jingle's gone viral already. Oh, would it be this one? You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me. It's time for truth and truth. Everyone's playing, everyone's playing the famous game, famous game, the game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for truth and A Merv Griffin production. So thank you to <laughs> esteemed guest and friend TJ. Thank you, TJ. For uh, getting sick of our complaints about the theme song and uh, yep. putting one together for us. Well, every, nice. every time we do it, it just gets worse. So thank you, <laughs> TJ, for making a proper jingle for Trues and News. Yeah. Which is, after all, the news quiz game that is sweeping the internet. It is. They, you know, we mentioned that in the jingle. I think that's perfect that we do. It's, it's everywhere. People are playing it. People are playing. They're yeah. playing it outside the internet. They're, they're playing it in the schoolyards. They're, they're playing it outside this house it's right like, now. It's like Pokemon Go. People are walking around. They're, they're looking asking in each the other. windows. Yeah, they're like, they're, hey, I got three stories. <laughs> you can't like, go anywhere without someone <laughs> tapping you on the shoulder and being like, I have three stories yeah two are false <laughs> one is true and you have to guess the true one you have to guess the truth and news yeah it happens i can't it's everywhere i mean i can't even grocery shop anymore without <laughs> having to make like five guesses for five different people i'm constantly guesses. i'm like running around with a broom like get off my lawn you know people always want to play this game yeah it's it's too successful you know while we were doing that little riffing that we just did i could have been pulling up the headlines but instead i was very invested yeah. in what we were doing dedication to the bit christy yeah that you know if there's anything i do yeah. it's that i'm dedicated to the bit you got to be dedicated to the bit that's half the job of doing goose chase yes it might be the whole job of doing goose chase i'm not quite sure yet it probably is all right you ready? I am ready to play Trues and News. First headline. Yes. Doritos aims new line of flavors at millennials. Includes flavor called crippling student debt that reportedly tastes like ramen. <laughs> if that ends up being true, I will eat this wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> you will buy every bag of crippling student debt oh, flavored yeah. Definitely. Doritos. Um. Doesn't sound half bad to me. <laughs> Second one. Thieves replace Paraguay police rifles with toy replicas. Okay. Good going, Paraguay. Third one. Chief Walker of Scuba, Mississippi Police Department admits that a preteen gang is terrorizing the small town. Wow. You want to recap? I absolutely do. And maybe a third. <laughs> <laughs> Doritos aims new line of flavors at millennials, includes flavor called crippling student debt that reportedly tastes like ramen. That is the flavor of student debt. I mean, let's be real. Um, 
thieves replace Paraguay police rifles with toy replicas. Okay. And Chief Walker of Scuba, Mississippi Police Department admits that a preteen gang is terrorizing the small town. <laughs> Scuba, Mississippi? Mm-hmm. S-C-O-O-B-A. I'm having a hard time believing that it's a real place. But it does have that... That's why I love and hate this game. <clears throat> it... It's, we've gotten tricksier. Yeah, well, yes, actually, we've gotten better at trying to stump each other. Um, shoot. Wow. Okay. So the do long... you want to go one more time? <laughs> no, no, I got them all in my head. I think weirdly, I'm gonna have to guess scuba. Scuba. I'm going story three. I hate myself for this. What is it? You done stumped. No. You done stumped. It's not scuba. <laughs> no. Okay, well, it's definitely not the Doritos one. It's not the Doritos one. Oh, God. Okay. Scuba is a real place, but this is not happening there. How did you find Scuba? I look up real cities in towns if I... Oh, God. That's how dedicated I've become. (laughs) You monster. If I'm going to say small town and I want to make it real, I will look up lists of small towns and choose the silliest sounding one or... The one that really suits the story. Okay. Now you know my secret. Now I know your secret. You'll have to get some new tricks. And I can never unknow it. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, tell me about... Okay. Here's why I didn't think that this Paraguay story was real, (laughs) is how can you not know the difference between a real gun and a toy gun? Well, it's not so much that the police department don't know the difference. It's the fact that someone... Is thieving them and then replacing them with fake ones. Like, they know that they're fake ones that are replaced, but they're... I don't know why they're even going through the trouble of replacing <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, like, why, why even put it back? Let's find out. Yeah, let's... Okay, what do you got? Thieves in Paraguay have stolen 42 powerful rifles from the police armory. During an inspection, officers found that the FN FAL, that's FN space FAL, battle rifles had been replaced with wooden and plastic replicas. <laughs> so this is like in the armory. It might not be a place yeah. they go to all the time. Right. Except when they need to make sure things are in order, and they weren't. Okay. So the inspection had been ordered after the rifle started appearing a year ago on the black market, where they can fetch up to $10,000. My God. Um, that's American dollars. Yeah. Uh, the rifles had been put into storage, but were still in working order. Some of them are thought to have ended up in Argentina. Others are believed to have been smuggled to Brazil. Uh, Neighboring Brazil has long complained that many of the illegal weapons seized there have been smuggled into the country from Paraguay. And Paraguayan media posted photos of the replicas and called it the most embarrassing scandal in the history of the country's police force. Uh, They had been taken to the armory in the city of Capiata as the police force was replacing them with newer models. So these are like... The old ones that aren't really in use anymore, they're still usable, right. but they're just, they're not they're up just to They're just kind of out of circulation. Yeah. So they were put in an armory, <clears throat> that's where they were thieved from. Hmm. When the rifles first started appearing on the black market, the military ordered an investigation. They honed in on the police armory and a search revealed the toy rifles. The police officer in charge of the armory has been replaced, but no arrests have so far been made. So not really any details about how they think this even happened. Kind of sounds like an inside job. Yeah, yeah, because it's Um, it's all about access, right? Yeah. But yeah, 
Fake rifles and the Paraguay police armory. See, now what I'm wondering is exactly how far 10,000 US dollars gets you in Paraguay. I mean, that's still a pretty penny. Yeah, it's a lot of money in America, yeah. let alone like in Paraguay. Yeah. Like, but if you're running a criminal enterprise, that's like nothing. Yeah, chub change. Yeah. Yeah. And they're smuggling them into the other, into other countries. They're making real good money. Yeah, bank. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm a little so bit I'm a, a little cool bit story. pissed off. I got stumped on this one. <laughs> I'm kind I'm of sorry. I just like I can't believe it. I mean, I could start a preteen gang in Scuba, Mississippi, and we can make it real. Yeah. That's if the, you'd prefer. We haven't even thought about how many of these fake stories we could go back and make real. Some of them would be doable. I mean, I can work on some uh, ramen-flavored Doritos. Yeah, I, I could engineer a giant crab like we talked about in that one <laughs> Boston episode. You could do that. It was, or was it, it wasn't Boston. It was, uh, it was Baltimore, wasn't it? Was it? The giant, that was the giant so long crab. Ago. <laughs> it was. It was one of our first ones. Oh man! Giant Let's do an crab. episode where we just listen to our own episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. Well, you know, we did that on the uh, the Dude Cast. We did our best of the year. Well, you did your like your um yeah, like our favorite your, stuff. Your middle segments and your oh no, did you cover everything? We did an you episode did. Yeah, yeah, of yeah, our yeah, favorite yeah. sketches where that's we just right. had like the comedy sketches, and then we I also made it had... on there. Yeah, that's right. You did. <laughs> oh, you, you weren't in the comedy sketches one. You were in our best moments. I was in your best moments, yes. Yes. The, uh, you, you actually made everyone's number one uh, for the uh, non-traditional student bit. <laughs> yes. Uh, which, was, uh, which was what Ben talking about encountering someone in the library and he said she was a non-traditional student and Chris said something like she was a, a what on stilts? <laughs> There were like 20 different ones that we came up yeah, with, you but we just a... kept going, and Ben was bewildered. He had no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> so Chris, we just kept going on and on. Chris says, yes, right. She was a clown on stilts. So then yeah. you said, oh, she was several pigeons inside a trench coat. <laughs> we went yeah. for like minutes, and finally Ben's like, what? And we're like, you know, a non-traditional student. <laughs> no, right off the bat, he was like, what? <laughs> like it was kind of one of those right over his head for the like the first like 10 seconds of it. Oh, it was good. Yeah. That was good. I have brought that joke back in other forms. Like someone will say something and I'll be like, yeah, you know, like 20 pigeons in a trench coat. It's just, it's, it's fun. perfect. It's a great, very weird thing. And also like, I enjoy it when people are like, yeah, you know, wait, what? <laughs> What are you talking about, lady? Why don't we move on to our middle seggy? Yes, I'm gonna bring it down several notches. Oh boy, take all this fun! Sorry, all this fun you thought you were having. Yeah, throw that shit away. I should give a little bit of a warning. Um, this is sad. It is about a true crime, a true thing that happened in Youngstown. Yeah. If you're not up for that, skip this part. Um. But if you are. I don't know how they're going to know how far to skip, but just skip around. <laughs> skip to the break. Yeah. You know, they could tell where the break is. Skip far enough ahead that you find the little musical interlude. And All right. right. Um, so I want to talk about Shannon Graves, who is the victim of this story. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say her name. Up top, because I think that's important, because she is the important part of this. But what happened 
Um, and how this all came out was that a man named Arturo Navoa asked his friend who lives in, his friend lives in Camel, Ohio, in Young, basically the east side of Youngstown, spelled Campbell, pronounced Camel. Don't call it Campbell. People don't call it off. Campbell. They'll beat you up. It's Camel. <laughs> I don't know that anyone I don't know will if beat, you up, gonna beat you up. But, but they'll be like, it's Camel. They will tell you you are wrong. So, um, Arturo went to his friend in Camel, Ohio, and said, Hey, I have this freezer. I have meat in it. My electricity, my electric's out right now. It got turned off. All this is going to go bad. Can you please, like, keep it at your house for me? So it doesn't go bad. And they were good enough friends that he was like, yeah, sure. He, um, This guy said he met Arturo. He thought his name was something else. He had been told his name was something else. But he met him through friends. Apparently this guy did like music recording and Arturo was, he did some rapping and that's how they met. So he was like, okay, that that's fine. Like you can keep it at my house. Um. After a few days, this man's wife, her story that I've read in a couple places is that she was making meat sauce. She wanted to make meat sauce for dinner, but she didn't have any beef or anything. So she was going to borrow some from this freezer of her husband's friend and just give it back later. Mm -hmm. Now, this freezer had a padlock on it. I think what really happened was that she was like, this thing's been sitting in my house for three days. This is sketchy. My husband's away at work. I'm going to figure out what's going on. Yeah, but that's exactly I don't, what happened. Yeah, but I don't have a specific <clears throat> source saying that. But if it were me, that's exactly what would happen. You don't, you don't so. cut a padlock instead of find a way to buy some beef. Right. So um, she opens up the freezer and there is plastic like folded over the top. And she goes... Nope. Closes the freezer, calls her husband. Uh, He comes home from work, opens it up, and he finds a dismembered foot, Um, among other body parts. But that's basically what he saw, closed it back up, and called the police. Mm -hmm. Upon investigation, um, they start looking into it. Obviously, they know Arturo's involved. It's his freezer. Um, A woman named Shannon Graves had been missing for a while. Her family said they didn't talk to her consistently, but she never missed holidays and birthdays. And when she missed her sister's birthday and then she missed Easter, they knew something was really wrong. So they got her on the missing missing persons list. Um, This all came out in like the freezer thing happened in June of 2017. I was going to say last year. Yeah. So, um, earlier in the month of June, they actually put her, put Shannon Graves on the missing persons website for like the state, which they usually don't do for adults, but because her family was persistent and was obviously very concerned and police were like, yeah, something seems wrong. They decided to do that. So Mm -hmm. later in the month, um, they found her body. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't a bunch of details on exactly how she died, but Arturo did try to dispose of her and then put the rest in this freezer. There are multiple other people involved, including his 
current girl, well, I don't know if they're still together now, probably not, um, but his girlfriend after Shannon, who kind of just assumed Shannon's life. She didn't really necessarily pretend to be her, like to other people. She didn't call herself Shannon, but she used her credit cards. Uh, she used her car. She yeah. took care of her dog. Um, she just kind of moved in and acted like it was all hers. Wow. Um, I think she used her WIC card. So just like, just took over. I imagine this is in the courts right now, right? Yes. Because stuff like this to tends that. to drag out for a while. So, well, the reason I ask is I know there's got to be a reason we're talking about it again right now. <clears throat> well, so I've this is been still going. I've been keeping tabs on it. Yeah. Because, um, I wanted to know what was going on and what was going to happen because yeah. Youngstown is a high crime place. This is batshit, even yeah, for Youngstown. Yeah, this is crazy, even for Youngstown, for sure. Um, most of the crime we see, I mean, it's a lot of like shootings and gang related and whatever. Like that's stuff <coughs> when Nor- you're yeah normal normal city normal stuff. crime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the stuff that's it's not normally not bodies this. in freezers. Not this. And it's upsetting, especially since she clearly does have a family and a lot of friends who really miss her. And not that it would be less sad if she didn't, but she does. And she has people who are concerned for her. And this sucks for them. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the reasons the trial is ongoing is that they had to find a new prosecutor because the family of Shannon filed an appeal against the prosecutors who had been used because um, they didn't like the way the case was handled before. Okay. Basically, the girlfriend, who basically took over Shannon's life afterwards. I don't know what kind of psychopath you have to be to do that. To just carry on. Yeah. I don't know. Um, You have to be disengaged in a lot of ways. Yeah. But she... Made a plea deal, basically, and she pled guilty but got a much lower sentence because she was going to testify against Arturo. The family wasn't consultant consulted in this. They mm-hmm. weren't asked. They weren't told. So they find out after the fact. They were very upset. Yeah. They did not want that. And so that's why they filed the appeal against the prosecutor they're like that's not we should have been informed that this was happening yeah and we weren't that's incredibly hurtful to them as much as as much as losing someone is hurtful so is someone just going on continuing to take advantage of that person being gone yeah and it would be really hard to swallow the idea of that person skating out of things yeah the good news though Mm -hmm. um is that apparently there is a lot of evidence that they keep in the one article I read today, they kept mentioning the size of the the USB drives they have to use just to pass this information on to everyone who needs to have it because there's so much evidence in this case and there's so much that everyone I think they're exaggerating a little yeah. bit. I mean it's a USB drive, but <laughs> but they're like yes. not the physical size, but the capacity they need to have to yeah. to pass this information on. Because there are now two additional people who are involved in the case. This is a pretty recent development. Um, They were involved in 
helping to keep this from getting discovered and which apparently didn't do a great job. Right. Why didn't one of them keep the freezer at their house? <laughs> the world will never know. We, we will um, never know why those people were selected to keep that freezer. But they they were involved in the disposal of the body um, and trying to keep it from getting yeah. out and all this stuff. So they the two of them are on trial as well, along with Arturo. Mm-hmm. And I think he was already charged with some things. He now has even more charges against him. The more they learn, the they more they're going to throw building. at him. The investigators are are working yeah. still um, on all this. And uh, they, I think this coming Friday, okay. they're going back to court. Like, they're going to be in court again. So this is very ongoing. Okay. So, the, but, so they're actually in the trial phase. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize so, that. The the good news in this, at least for the family, is that even though that one person is kind of skating by, at least there are two more that are going to be held responsible for their involvement. So mm-hmm. that's good. Um, and who knows how much the information they have came from that plea deal. I I would imagine that they thought that they could get quite a bit of information. Yeah. They don't just make a plea deal to be nice oh, to, the, no, never. The, <laughs> no, never. to the person who did the crime. Yeah. So. They must have felt it was a necessary evil. Yeah. Well, um, the, the whole idea with the plea deal is just that you want to make sure the case you have against your primary targets is, is strong locked enough. Locked up. Yeah. yeah. And if that means that you get extra information from people in exchange for their cooperation, maybe you're willing to let a couple of people slide. Yeah. Because you know for sure you're going to put the most important people away, right? Yeah. I, and obviously the the person who is the linchpin of this case, who is the most responsible, is Arturo. Yeah. He's the one with the motivation to do anything. You right. know, He this was his girlfriend. But then the other thing about this, it is interesting to me that, like, <laughs> the part that caught people's uh, outrage and imagination and all those things that typically go around like, like a high-profile crime was the new girlfriend, right? Because mm-hmm. that part is, I mean, without a doubt, killing someone is worse than, you know, what she did. But it's it's really, like... It's I'm like not an entirely evil extra stroke. Not entirely convinced she wasn't around before okay. they killed Shannon. Because how do you convince this new girl to buy the freezer to put the body in, which yeah. she apparently did, and to be involved to the degree that she is? Mm-hmm. I'm also not convinced that drugs aren't involved. Okay. Um, that could be part of the motivation was that, was that or explanation. Um, here and there, okay. Um, nothing super duper specific, but it was insinuated a little bit. And how else do you explain like doing truly horrible things and having this many people involved in it? Yeah, kind of seems like the best explanation in my head of how do you get that many people involved in something so horrific? Yeah, like what's a shared motive there? One person maybe he is a sociopath and feels no remorse, but four. Yeah, like why did so many people have that kind of stake? Right. And like, like what do they have collectively to share? And I still haven't been able to find actually what the cause of death was. So I'm not even sure exactly how it happened, if it could have been something that was somewhat accidental and then they covered it all up, or if it was... It seems like it was intentional. Yeah. Like they did plan it, but I don't know all the details of that. I mean, we're, we're kind of like speculating all over the place here. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. But I'm, I'm trying to be fair to the victim, you yeah. know. Right. 
and her family yeah. to Shannon because uh, that sucks. She, her family misses her a lot, mm-hmm. and they feel at least in part that the case wasn't handled the best way it could have been. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad that it is still going to court. For a long time, I didn't hear anything about this case. Sure. And I was like, you found a freezer full of a person. Yeah. I need to know what's happening in this world. But of course, like, you know, like juries are notoriously. Um, they need to keep it mom and they need time to investigate and find cause of death. And, and, and that that whole beyond a reasonable doubt thing doesn't yeah. always work. So you've got to build a really, really strong case, even for something as obvious as we found someone in a freezer. Yeah. Like you have to do your due diligence, you know, and I don't even know what they're trying, what they're trying to get out of like what the what the conviction is they're trying to get on them. I, as much as they can throw at them, I'm assuming yeah. they that's usually the goal. And especially in a case like this where yeah. it's like pretty horrendous, mm-hmm. like you don't you want that person in everyone involved away for yeah. a long time. Right. Do we do the death penalty in Ohio anymore? I believe so. I can't I believe, remember. I believe we are a death penalty state. I feel like we. I can't remember because I feel like at one time when I was in college, I went to school for forensic science and had to do an internship with a police department. And I did mine with YPD. And I was talking to a DA and they said they were talking to me about like an old case. It had been a cold case. And then they tested the DNA involved and were able to get him on another crime. The guy had just got out of jail on something else. And then they were able to put him away for this. But in cases like that, um, because it was murder and that has no um, expiration date, yeah. you prosecute that a million years later. Yeah. That obviously, the person wouldn't be alive. But you could prosecute that 20 years later, which was the case in that specific one. Yeah. Um, but you can also push to use um, – so say – you didn't have the death penalty anymore, but you did at the time the crime was committed. Mm-hmm. You can ask the judge to do that. Oh, okay. So you could be like, at the time he committed it, death penalty was a thing. We want him to get the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Like kind of grandfather it in to suit the crime when it was committed. And they kind of yeah. made it sound like they wanted to do that. So that makes me feel like maybe we don't have the death penalty because they were saying they were pushing for it because it was still around then. Mm. But that's that's my logic, my string of logic <laughs> for thinking maybe we don't, but I'm not quite sure. <clears throat> but we, whatever. I was I, say, we just spent a good while trying to logic our way around something. We could Google it a few yeah, minutes later. Yeah, this is the fun of it. <laughs> and there isn't much, a whole lot of fun in talking about something this sad. But I thought it was important because I don't think a lot of people know about it. Yeah. And it's something that I've been following and that I care about. And it... It's crazy and horrible, but she was a person with a life and with friends and family, and someone took that away and did something truly awful when they did that, and I want people to know her name. So her name is Shannon Graves, and it's a shame that someone did that to her. Yes, it is. Gosh, how do you you rebound off this? (laughs) Well, we're going to take a break. Uh, Yeah, we're going to – oh, gosh. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about – more sad things. Sorry, guys. You guys are going to love this episode. This episode. Well, I kind of felt like maybe this is the episode to do this because it wouldn't be like 
talk about sad stuff and then talk about poop for 30 minutes <laughs> or, you know, no. bodily fluids of other forms. So. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Yes. Let's take a little break. Yes. We'll, 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 break, come, break. we'll come back in a minute with the main segment for this episode. All right. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> Get ready, guys, for more of this. Woo! <laughs> Woo! All right, see you in a bit. Bye. And we're back with more wine talk with Christy and Dave. And we're back. Mm. How red are my lips? Not. Not yet. Mm, okay. You Means gotta, I need to drink gotta, more. You gotta pound the rest of that bottle. Um, I don't think it's a good idea for me to pound a bottle of 18% wine. Maybe not pound it. But you know, pour yourself, a little, pour yourself a little glass. another glass, though. Yeah, yeah definitely. The stuff is really nice. Beautiful tones of me spilling wine everywhere. <laughs> no, you're good. Oh, listen to that. Actually, yeah, you can just kind of just barely pick it up on the mics. <clears throat> they probably won't even hear that. Probably not. Um, we are back with the main segment for this episode. Yes. We sure, we sure as shoot are. Yeah. Do you want to introduce it or should I? I think you should. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, uh, this is a topic that was, if I remember correctly, recommended to us by Adam. Yes. Uh, the the topic is, and you already know this maybe uh, from reading the description, we're going to be talking a bit about the uh, the death of Natalie Wood. Yes. Uh, the actress <laughs> who, uh, who died in the early 80s uh, mm-hmm. and whose death is a little bit of a mystery, or at the very least... Um, what was considered at one point a closed case turned out to be more than that. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, just just to get us started off here, um, <clears throat> when I was when I was doing the research, one of the things that I was reminded of is the 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 fact that especially right now, we're being reminded a lot of the fact that um, Hollywood in particular in the film industry is. Uh, an industry that, you know, props itself up on its glitz and its glamour and its image and all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's half the reason we love, you know, the film industry is because of the image that it, you know. Portrays. Per- yeah, that it portrays to us. Um, there's There was a time, a long time ago, um, <clears throat> far before Natalie Wood, uh, where the idea of, you know, Hollywood as a scandalous place would be surprising to the general viewing public. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Uh, largely just because, you know, Hollywood for a pretty long time uh, maintained its image really well. And there were less ways for people to find out sort of the. That's what I was going to say. The the way that technology developed. Yeah. There's far more interaction between Hollywood stars and individuals now. And there's mm-hmm. also far like there's way more ways to take in mm-hmm. what they're producing. Yeah. So 
more interaction, more technology, information at the speed of light, like yeah. just way easier to find out the dirt. Yeah. You're not going to hide it. Yeah. Like almost every kind of news we get now gets to us faster and less filtered than mm-hmm. it ever did in the past. Not to mention a lot of people who have been victims of the shady side of that environment yeah. coming out and telling their story and writing memoirs or just coming out and talking on the news about it and a mm-hmm. bunch of different allegations. Like, I don't think anyone today would be like, oh, no, Hollywood's pristine and there's nothing going on that's bad behind closed doors. Right. But there was a time where you know people just didn't know. <clears throat> um, now we're super highly aware. Uh, so <clears throat> I wanted to come into this topic just with the the reflection or the recollection that there were times before where th- these Hollywood scandal type stories seemed, you know, more more difficult to believe, more you know, sort of, sort of more scandalous for their rarity. Um, and I think it's a little piece of what has made uh, the death of Natalie Wood just this sort of enduring story and mystery. Um. So to start off, I think it's important just to round out who Natalie Wood was. Um, I'm not sure how many people actually know anything about her career. I thought you were going to say, I'm not sure who Natalie Wood was. <laughs> Why am I, I here? I mean, can you ever really know someone, right? It's <laughs> like, wow, it's like people are so deep. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to briefly point out that I made a terrible mistake. Yeah. I ate some deep dish pizza flavored chips and now it's all I can taste when I'm trying to drink my <laughs> wine. Yeah, well you gotta rinse down that, that deep dish with wine and then, you know, once you're saturated with wine, you gotta have more deep dish chips. That's the way it works. That's the cycle. That's the cycle. Well, I wanna know about Natalie Wood and okay. less about deep dish chips. So Natalie Wood uh was born Natalia Nikolaevna Zakarenko. Mm. Uh in uh nineteen thirty eight. She was a Russian American actress. She got her start as a child actor. Uh, I didn't know anything about her film career at all. I only knew that because I was going to briefly do this topic and then didn't have enough time. And we're not mentioning the failure (laughs) of last week. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We're going to gloss by it as though we didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, So she was uh, the lead role, the the lead child role in Miracle on 34th Street. Mm Mm-hmm. She was in Rebel Without a Cause in her mm-hmm. teens. Uh, she was in a lot of movies. Um, she worked with Orson Welles at the age of seven uh, on a film, and he described her as so good that it was terrifying. He described <laughs> her as a natural, uh, which is kind of high praise. Yeah. Coming from Orson Welles. Is he the one with, was that the commercial? <laughs> Am I thinking of the right guy? Um, you're, uh, you're you're thinking of, um, that's that's is that not Marlon Brand? No, it's Orson. Not. It is Orson Welles. Yeah, the wine commercial. Yeah, right, right, right. The, Suitable for this podcast. The, the one where he, <laughs> he can't get the line right because yeah. he's so drunk. It's a it's a commercial for French champagne, and he at one of the cuts starts with him going like he forgot his line and just warbled out this moan like a oh yes, but didn't even get a word in. Yeah, um, yeah. So before he was. That very sad man, you know Orson Welles. I mean, he was he was no slouch. You know, he's yeah. like a legit uh, actor. And uh, uh, for you know him to say any kid at the age of seven is a natural whose talent is scary is pretty legit. Yeah, um, I I feel like that's that's pretty <clears throat> impressive. Yeah, I and mean, she went on to 
work further and improve that. Yeah, right. Um, she, uh, I, I wrote that it's hard to get a sense of what people thought about her career at large because um, her film career was marked by these sort of like peaks and valleys, mm-hmm. right? Um, so she was in a lot of really successful films, a lot of movies that a lot of people saw. But also, like, there were some people who just weren't a fan of her at all, you know, yeah. like, of her acting at all. A very interesting story. The Harvard Lampoon awarded her the Worst Actress of the Year Award. Oh, wow. In 1966. And how about this? You're going to love her for this one. She was the first person to show up and accept it in person. Oh, you <laughs> go, Natalie Wood. Right? You know, it's like... That's class. That is absolute class. And also... And sticking it to him a little bit. A little I bit. I appreciate it. Being it's like, <laughs> now you have to, now you have to like actually maintain yeah. this opinion while I'm in front of you oh, and you're yeah. doing it to my face. So, I mean, they said she was a great sport. Like people were really impressed by that. And I'm really impressed by that. Yeah. That says a lot to me about like, <laughs> what kind of a person someone is. How many people would be made fun of and be like, no, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to show up. I'll be there to accept my award. It's Thank like, you very much. It's like when a police officer actually shows up to your uh, to your speeding ticket trial. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, you. You're like, man, you're classy. Or, you know but what? also, I hate you because if you weren't here, it would have gotten thrown out. <laughs> yeah, you weren't just some fly-by-night cop. You showed up to really finish sticking it to me. You <laughs> really cared about making me pay that $70. I appreciate you. And also... Go away. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I wrote she had her occasional flops. She had her big hits. Uh, there were at times she was considered by some circles a down and out actress like she was done. And, yeah. then, she, and then she would surprise people and she would <laughs> she do something else. Pop them back up. Yeah. So like she she was in a box office flop called All the Fine Young Cannibals. Great name. Mm-hmm. Apparently didn't make any money. Um, they thought she was down. She rebounded with Splendor in the Grass, which is a movie that was very, very successful. And, and I think uh if I remember correctly, that one might have been with Robert Redford, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure she or they received Academy Award nominations for it. So, I don't know. think she won anything. Ever. <clears throat> she received several nominations. Yeah, though. right. Um, but basically, that was her thing. Was you know she would she was a working actress, like in the real sense, and she would mm-hmm. like have some you know flops, and she would have some real successes. Um, she. There, there's indications that that cycle might have really started to wear on her, especially towards the late 60s where she uh, she turned down a role in Bonnie and Clyde mm-hmm. uh, pr- primarily to focus on her mental health. She was seeing a therapist. She was trying to get right, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically entered semi-retirement in the early 70s. You know, like basically at that point she considers herself retired. Yeah. Um. All of this is coinciding, of course, with her, you know, like her film career and her, and her, and her personal life are, to me, like, you know, interlocked in an interesting way. Um, <laughs> in 1957, let's go back, you know, uh, she met her uh, husband, actor Robert Wagner, uh, when she was 18. Uh, it was like the fulfillment of a childhood crush for her. Uh, like, mm. you know, he was just a bit older than her. And she had seen him, you know, and, and known of him when she was younger. Uh, her mother hated the idea. Yeah. But she married him. Never, never meet your idols. <laughs> Much less marry them. Yeah. It's uh, just, I mean, I don't know anything about the relationship. This <laughs> has nothing to do with that. It's just not a good idea. 
<laughs> yeah, that's. I think it's a. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, um, but basically, they got married when she was 18. They got you know divorced five years later. So it was mm. you know it was it it, it didn't work out that time. Uh, they. You know, during the interim, you know, uh, or shortly after that, she uh, she met her second husband, uh, who was a producer named Richard Gregson. Uh, uh, they got married in 1969. <coughs> um, during this marriage is the time period where, like I said, towards the end of the 60s, she's in therapy. She's turning down some roles. She meets Richard Gregson. They get married. She's working on herself. She's working on herself, focusing on therapy. She generally seems to have accepted like a normal life, whatever mm-hmm. that is. You know, like what we think of as like a normal life. You're married, you got kids, you're focusing on yourself, you you know, all that. Um basically <clears throat> this marriage is uprooted uh in 1971. It doesn't last long. It lasts two years. Uh she overhears Gregson on the phone with his secretary saying some stuff that would piss most people off. Yeah. Imply <laughs> that they're yeah. You're so messing around. Right. So by <laughs> 1972, three months after she finalizes her divorce with him, she's back with Robert Wagner, the first husband. Okay. They have a kid. From then on, it's, you know, that's their marriage. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so that's why I said... I'm always didn't. intrigued by people who get back with someone they've been with before, mm-hmm. just because it's not... A personal experience I've had and not one I think I could have. Yeah. And so I'm always intrigued by that. I feel like it would be a very specific set of circumstances that would allow me to be with someone I've been with before. Well, I mean, Especially like, for any amount of time. If it was like a month yeah. and it just didn't work out for mutual reasons, that's one thing. But if it was like five years and you were actually married, <laughs> that seemed, I don't know, like that would have to be very specific specific circumstances to make that work again. It does speak to something, doesn't it? Like it speaks to, you know, whatever the terms were of their initial separation and whatever it was that initially drew them to each other. There they are back in the saddle together. Well, and the fact that they obviously had some kind of enduring chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, you know, I think in in a lot of many interpretations of that would be that, okay, well, then that's some kind of true romance, right? That they yeah. worked through it. Um, Don't they always say if you love him, set him free? <laughs> and then marry someone else. Marry and then pick him back else. up again in five years. Yeah. That's what they always say. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, not even five, two years. I'm getting my numbers wrong now. But uh, but yeah, so I wrote that I think this was pretty, it's needless to say this is a turbulent time for her. It would be mm-hmm. for anybody, right? <clears throat> um. I don't think that whole thing could be easy for anybody. Yeah. Um, It's probably not fair to make too many assumptions about someone's personal life, but I would say that a lot of this, you can kind of see the story emerge there of like being in a marriage, it's not working out. The the film career is, you know, like a hit and miss, stressing you out. You've just been voted the worst actress of the year and, you know, also you're at the same time seeking therapy and you try and to back away from the whole thing. she's had children and, too, right. so there's like taking care of your family in the midst of this. Yeah, so, well, she, yeah, because she has, she has the kid with Gregson in like seven, 70 or 71. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, all this stuff, you can kind of see how it all plays together. Yeah. It's like, this is a very turbulent and difficult time for somebody. 
Um, in any case, uh, it's worth mentioning that Natalie Wood's sister uh, recalls the marriage between uh, between Natalie Wood and uh, Wagner, uh, especially the second marriage, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a really same husband, second time, yeah, as like a really strong marriage. Uh, when she writes on this, and this is years back when she was talking about it, um, she said that the two of them worked really hard to maintain their relationship, harder than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes sense, I think. If you've been with someone and then, you know, you, you're you no longer with them and then you get back together and, and, and you've been through certain things that make you closer to each other, you, you know? might be a little more motivated to try to keep that a solid relationship because you've yeah. lost that person before and you don't want to do it again. Right. That makes sense, and it's kind of a sweet idea that they had that. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, that's her recollection. Again, this is like sometime shortly after uh, Natalie Wood's death. Mm -hmm. I I was going to be very vague and say, the events that transpired. (laughs) (laughs) The events that soon would be transpiring. (laughs) But, you know, we can't let them know that she's died. (laughs) I think. Like we touched on it, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. This this is how Natalie Wood's sister remembers their marriage at that <laughs> time. Um, I think that that further serves to add to the mystery of what happens the night of her death. Um, so uh, let's jump forward here. It's November eighth, nineteen eighty one. Okay. All right. Uh, the location is their yacht. Uh, you know, uh, oh, to be so lucky. <laughs> oh, to have a yacht. Um, We've been watching a lot of Below Deck lately. We know all about th- yachts. That now. <laughs> dumpster fire of a TV show. I love it, and oh, I hate it. I, I, the same. You I love to same. hate it. I love hating this show. Mm-hmm. Oh, the episode that was just on last night was the season finale. Oh, really? Yep. So it's over. Yeah, and then there's um like one of those wrap up episodes where everyone sits in a room together like a year after it happened and <laughs> pretends to still give a fuck. <laughs> right, yeah, cuz they've clearly like moved on with their lives by now. Yeah. Um <clears throat> anyways, yeah. brief distraction. They're on their yacht. Right. So, uh they're on the yacht. It's it's called the Splendor. Mm. It's outside of uh, Santa Catalina Island, which I didn't know where that was. I had to look it up. I don't. It's basically southwest of Los Angeles. Okay. A couple of miles off the coast of Los Angeles. Makes sense. It's an island that's basically... Um, Party island? It's like a sort of an H-shaped island with two large I'm mountains. I'm sorry, did you say H like the number or H like the letter? H like the number. Thank you. Uh, there's like sort of two mountains on this sort of H-shaped island. Uh, with like a little valley separating them. All right. Um, <clears throat> Natalie is currently at this point in the middle of making a film called Brainstorm with Christopher Walken. And uh, Natalie Wood and uh, w- Wagner have invited uh, Walken <clears throat> to join them for Thanksgiving weekend out on the yacht. Hmm. Just sort of like a nice, it's like, you know, we're working on this thing together. We'll hang out. We'll have a good holiday weekend together, blah, 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 whatever. If anyone wants to invite me to hang out with them on their yacht, I mean. <laughs> we are I'm accepting not invites. I'd say yes, but I'd say yes. But I, I mean, yeah, she'd probably say yes. <laughs> um, uh, so it's, it's worth mentioning at this point 
uh, that uh, Hollywood's medical, medical examiner, Dr. Thomas Noguchi, wrote a memoir on his experience of working on this case in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this m- memoir, he revealed some details, which we'll get into later, which were withheld from the public at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, details which uh, he, in his estimation, <laughs> they would only sort of engender speculation about things that were otherwise pretty clearly buttoned up. Yeah. Um, they would make people talk needlessly. Yeah, like things that were not consequential to the ultimate determination about what actually happened, but mm-hmm. would have just sort of sensationalized and otherwise... And gossipy. You know. Yeah, like an open and shut case, as he saw it. Yeah. Um, I'm still not sure whether that was the right call or not, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, <clears throat> so, that day... Uh, Natalie Wood is seen going to and from the yacht on uh, a dinghy multiple times that day. A dinghy? A dinghy. Dagnabbit, she uh, was on a dinghy. She was on the dagnab dinghy. <laughs> she done got on that dagnab dinghy, don't ding ding dude all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> ding dang dude. She done diddly ding dang dude. All over the all place. All over that. That's that, the that, t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Dundee diddly ding dang doing on a di- dinghy. Ding, ding, do that dinging. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, she's seen that day by Paul Miller. Uh, Paul Miller is a consultant for the medical examiner's office who also prepared um, the report that I was telling you that was sort of withheld for Mm -hmm. many, many years um, that was given to the uh, medical examiner's office. Um, He happens to, you know, it seemed weird to me. It's like. Wait, the guy that wrote the report was also just kind of hanging out and just saw her zipping around all day on a boat? On a dinghy? But he, you know, he there's a reason he was chosen. He, you know, like he lives or works there. Yeah. So maybe not such a weird coincidence. Just kind of seems strange after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so he, he uh, this particular evening, he also caught them at a... Uh, at a restaurant that night, because he happened to be at the same restaurant. Also seems weird. Probably not that weird. It's, you know, it's a small well, island. Well, I was going to say, it's a small island. He probably was chosen because he's familiar with the island, because yeah. he has a place there. Yeah. And how many restaurants can there be on a small island outside of Los Angeles? Right. Shaped like an eight. <laughs> well, like, he lives on a yacht with his wife, like, year-round there. Oh, So man. he's always there. Yep. Imagine this life. Go ahead. Stop and picture it. I'll give I want to be I'll a medical examiner who lives on a yacht outside of Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Except it every does. now and then something <clears throat> like this happens. And until there's murder, most foul. Yeah. Until there's some really... Well, you don't, I don't know that it's murder, stuff. by the way. Just until someone <laughs> dies. And, yeah. Um, so... And you and, have to do your job as a medical examiner, I guess... <laughs> That would be upsetting. <laughs> right, until you have to do your job. So you have to work. Um, so the official story is that um, he sees Wagner, Wood, and Walken, all Ws. That kept driving me crazy. Whew. Uh, Repeat that ten times fast. Wagner, Wood, and Walken. Uh, they Don't were, do all ten. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. They were, um, he saw them out to dinner. Uh, like around 7.30 is when he saw them there. Uh, I, I've lost the name of the restaurant here, but uh, it's in my notes. It's Doug's Harbor Reef Restaurant. Um, the we, Harbor Reef Restaurant? Doug's Harbor Reef Restaurant. Don't go to Vinny's. Vinny's sucks. Vinny's Harbor Reef Restaurant. <laughs> not not good. so good. No, it's terrible. Doug's. 
you gotta go mm. with Doug. <laughs> so good. You gotta go with Doug. Um, he sees them there around mm-hmm. seven, seven thirty, I think, uh, and he he leaves like uh, he he leaves way before they do. Um, he uh, he says they were still at the restaurant until about ten thirty, drinking champagne. 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 <laughs> Ironically, a walk-in reference. <laughs> uh, weird. Um, yeah, he, you know, uh, he leaves long before this. Other people observe them being there until 1030. Um, the owner of the restaurant is concerned for the party's safety when they go to leave to get on their dinghy to go back to the yacht. A little bit. They're all hammered. A little bit drunk for the dinghy. Hammered. Uh, so he calls. I wanted the alliteration. That's why I went with drunk. Okay. Just wanted to justify. They were gonna. Choice. They were gonna drunk dinghy. Mm-hmm. That's a DDUI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Driving a dinghy under the influence. <laughs> I think it would still just be like an OVI. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> so basically, he calls the harbor patrol. The the restaurant owner does presumably Doug. Um, Doug. Doug. He calls the harbor patrol, watch over them on their return to the boat. Okay. Back in the good old days where they just have someone watch you drive drunk. <laughs> you um, know, those good old days. <laughs> um, which they did. They got back to their yacht. Uh, according to, uh, you know, the, the harbor patrol watch, it was fine. I mean, if we're being fair, they probably drive their dinghy better when they're drunk than you when know, they're sober. They're I, just more careful. I gotta say, just my personal experience, I drive a dinghy better when I'm drunk, you know? I just, <laughs> you know? That's a horrible thing to ever to ever say. Well, you know, I just drive better drunk, you know? People, that's, people that's have said that. That's because people say that. That's disgusting. Um, anyway, <clears throat> at one fifteen in the morning, Miller, uh, the investigator guy, who is on his yacht with his wife, cannot sleep. Uh, there's uh, He hears a lot of party noise outside his boat. Um, he tries to <clears throat> radio in uh, to uh, the Baywatch to, right, Baywatch, Baywatch. right, uh, to kind of quiet down the party, but no one responds from Baywatch because presumably they're, probably partying. they're at the party. Yeah. Um, but what he does get... Is a because he's communicating this on the radio over an open frequency. Mm-hmm. What he does get is a response from Bob Wagner. Okay. On the Splendor, Bob is still awake, and he asks Miller um, if he is in the vicinity of you know his boat, the Splendor. Mm-hmm. Um, he says they believe they have a person missing on a rubber dinghy. One fifteen in the morning. Um, this ignites what becomes a search. Right. No one finds anything all night. But the next morning, around 730, uh, a helicopter spots a a red spot in the ocean. And when they. So just to clarify for myself. Yeah. They confirmed got back to the boat. Okay. After the dinghy. Like everyone was back on the boat. Yep. Everyone got back to the boat. So then potentially an hour or two later. Somewhere between ten thirty and one fifteen, someone goes missing, and that's when Bob Wagner is, you know, making this this Alerted radio transmission. It. Right? Okay. It's it's a full like seven hours later that a helicopter, which is searching, finds a red dot in the middle of the ocean. That ocean or that dot in the ocean is Natalie Wood. Mm. It's her red coat that is that is on her. She has she has drowned. 
and the dinghy that uh, should have been connected to the yacht is uh, even farther south of where she is. So basically the yacht is situated somewhere in between the island and Los Angeles, like an hour or an hour, a mile away from the island, Mm -hmm. right? She's more or less a mile away from that, and the dinghy is somewhat south of her. Okay. So Um, I'm imagining like a diamond shape. Uh, if I she's can. like a slight diamond shape, like say Los Angeles is to the right. She's a little northwest of Los Angeles, and the island is a little southwest of her. That's what I'm picturing. You know what? This is impossible to illustrate, but basically, the, the boat is like you know in between the island and Los Angeles, and then she and the dinghy are south of that. Okay. And the island is south. So yeah, so it's 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 hard to explain in in okay, audio. But I got you though. Yeah. Um. So the dinghy itself is in neutral. Uh, the ignition is off. The oars are tied down to it, uh, which is sort of odd. Uh, you know, you would ex- she wasn't using it. Yeah, like if you fall off of a boat, you would presume that you know the boat would be in a state that it could have been you know, ridden around, driven around. Yeah. But that's not the case. Like the oars would have been removed like someone was trying to use it that way or the ignition switch would be on like they had been using it and it ran out of gas or something. Like, right. There'd yeah. be evidence of it being in use. Exactly. It just sort of looks like it just kind of drifted off in a shutdown state. Mm-hmm. Um, moreover, she was not dressed for a boat ride. She, um, she was wearing a nightgown, a down jacket, and wool socks. Um, it just... The way that she was found does not seem like the way you would be dressed if you were heading out for a boat ride. Yeah. Right? Especially in the middle of the night. Like, you, you're you not going to probably just get on a boat in your PJs by yourself in the middle of the night. Like, right. that's weird. It is weird, yeah. Um, the... She just um, really wanted a pack of cigarettes. She's just <laughs> going to get a pack of cigarettes. Just going to get a pack of cigarettes. The classic excuse right before you leave forever. Yeah. Right before you get on a dinghy in the middle <laughs> of the night. Um, that is, no, those are very strange circumstances. It is strange. Um, additionally, she was covered with a bunch of bruises. Mm. Uh, she had been foaming at the mouth. I'm not, I never got clarification on what exactly that's about. I'm wondering if maybe it had to do with drowning. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um <clears throat> There were no significant injuries to her head. There were like brush brush sort of injuries, um, but mostly bruises on her arms, legs, knees, and ankle. Uh, her death was ruled as a result of drowning. Mm-hmm. That's the official report, right? Um, the big tragedy is that her jacket was probably responsible because she's fallen into water wearing a big giant down coat, mm. which becomes really, really heavy. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, considering, you know, like I said, everyone was drinking, her blood alcohol level was 0.14. Um, okay. So in Noguchi's estimate, that contributed to her drowning because had she been thinking clearly, she might have just shaken off the coat. Yeah. Or been able to swim better or call out or who knows what she did or didn't do. But yeah, right. you're, if you're that drunk, you would be limited. Yeah. Like it certainly would contribute, and that was that was his. If his she was idea. even conscious at that point, she could have been right. asleep or passed out, or who yeah. knows. Um, 
new details that were released from um, Miller's report, the report that I said didn't make it to the press at the time, yeah. uh, have suggested that the the way the Splendor was anchored, remember I tried to explain that there's, it's an eight-shaped island and there's these two mm-hmm. mountains, right? And there's a sort of gap between them. Yeah. But it also so happens that wind comes through there from the west, blowing towards Los Angeles, right? Okay. So what ends up happening is there's a wind tunnel effect. I was going to say, it's like a wind tunnel. That is there a lot of the time. Okay. So Miller's view was that this wind tunnel, you know, this sort of breeze was responsible for what happened, that she might be have been trying to unsecure the dinghy from the yacht, and it was rapidly yanked away, and that she slipped leaning in to get into it, uh, and that she and the dinghy were found so far away from the yacht because of this current, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that that sort of dragged the both of them that kind of distance away from the yacht. That, that definitely it. makes it seem more likely to be accidental. Yeah. Um, that was his, that was part of his, the details of his report, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, this is where we start to get into some speculation. Because all that is <clears throat> the stuff that made the, the final report or, you know, didn't quite make the final report, but was, but was available to the... Yeah, factual know, the, yeah. observation-based reporting. There is, uh, there are some wrinkles to this story. Probably a big part of why we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, well, I don't want to step on your toes. Yeah, I'll mention that later. Okay. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a place for that, but uh, a wrinkle to this story is that it was reported to a sheriff's deputy at the time that Wagner and Walken had been having a fight on board the yacht that night. Mm-hmm. Um, this didn't actually make the official report. Um, the Who official, reported that? It was, a, like I said, a sheriff's deputy had relayed that someone had told them that, but the, the, the name isn't mentioned. Who told the sheriff's deputy that? Like someone on another yacht or something like that overheard fighting. Yeah, there's... We'll get into who it might have been and what might have been said, but all right. Um, the the official report combined several pieces of forensic evidence, like the fact that uh, the bruises were consistent with having collided with parts of the dinghy, or that algae was disturbed on the underside of the the dinghy, or that there were scratch marks. Mm-hmm. Um, the blood alcohol content factor in the heavy jacket. The basically the official report combined all of that to suggest that she was trying to board the dinghy and then she slipped and and was drowned. Right. That seems logical. Um. So. Uh, I think the biggest hang up in that is just like, why? Yeah. Right. Why exactly? Like, accidents. Accidents happen, but there's always circumstances around those accidents. Like, what was she doing? Yeah. Why was she trying to get in a dinghy and a yeah. Down coat in the middle of the night. Yeah, when she's intoxicated, like that. The motivation is always the interesting part, and it's the part you're never really going to know in a lot of cases. I think you're right. I think that's the part that's always going to be kind of murky. Yeah, you know, because that's the part you rely on people for to to come forward and explain. Water puns. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Anyway, yeah, so the the story about the fight between Walken and Wagner is sort of, it's talked about, it's rumored, you know? Mm-hmm. And even though it's not part of the official report, people know about it. It gets out. People people have talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote that this whole incident takes a toll on a whole lot of people. Um, 
and the the story of Walker and, or uh, Walker well, and Wagner. The, it's um, hard. All those W names is difficult. <laughs> but it leads to a lot of speculation, right? Uh, like a lot of people believed uh, that either Wagner or Walken was responsible for her death because of this this story Potential going around. Fight. Yeah. Um, Walken in particular has spoken very few times on the record about this, <clears throat> even to this day. Um, the gist of his responses is that it was an accident, that it was exactly what it seemed to be, that he was asleep when it happened, um, that it was rainy and slippery and anyone who was there could easily understand how this could have happened and that these things happen all the time. Yeah. And I sympathize with him because that's true, right? Yeah. Um, well, it, it would suck if you don't know any, if you weren't there you didn't observe it happen and you come under fire because right. you were in proximity. And this wasn't like it was a stranger to him. It was clearly someone he was close with. Close. He was enjoying a holiday with them. Yeah. He was on their yacht. That would suck. Yeah. That would suck. I mean, they definitely had a, a close relationship. And this is another area where, like, Natalie Wood's sister has said things that it's like, I have no idea how she claims to know the things that she has said uh, on on the record after the fact, but she has she, I, she wrote a memoir years ago and said something to the effect that Natalie had a real like fondness for Christopher Walken. Yeah, and then that might have been like a romantic thing that maybe only existed in her head, and I I don't know how she could claim to know that, but right, you know, I'm not I'm not here to discredit that. On just, the one side, they were sisters, and if they were close, maybe Natalie would have mentioned it. But on the other side, we don't know what their relationship is, right. so. It could just be someone trying to get a little more notoriety for themselves. We don't – it's hard to know. It's it's very hard to know. It's just something that was mentioned and, you know, uh, you know, it's yeah. hard to know what to do with that. I mean, so much of what we talk about is speculation because sometimes there aren't facts yeah. to fill it in. Yeah. Or there are, but there's no way to know them. So. And speaking about that, this is a good point for me to mention something that I think is always important to our show. But it's 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 it feels important to this one is, you know, I'm not here to try and slander anybody, you know, yeah. and I'm not here to roll off oh, too much of I this am. sort of. Well, OK, well, if you, if you want <laughs> no, to, that's fine. I'm not. I'm uh, not. <laughs> it's just that, you know, like with, with a lot of this stuff, it's like everyone's got something to say, mm-hmm. uh, especially about something like this. Um, but they I, forgot about Jay. I'm sorry, my references are really bad tonight. <laughs> Let's continue. Everyone does have an opinion. Everyone's going to want to stir up shit. Uh, well, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I think there's details here that are worth discussing. Um, they're, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here to try to paint a, a picture like I have a clear picture of what happened. But mm-hmm. we're about to enter into some alternate accounts, um, including some sworn statements, which may have... Or may not have more validity to them for being sworn statements, but uh, I think they're worth getting into if we're going to talk about this thing at large. Okay. Um, so uh, I will say one more thing about Walken here is that he's you know not only that he hasn't spoken that much about this, but there, that there have been times it seems like where he's been very very defensive about it. Um, I think that might be consistent with someone who is. Tired of having people levy speculation at them about something that they had no involvement in. 
you can also see it as, you know, like maybe there's something he really doesn't Someone want to talk guilty. about. Yeah. That, yeah that, it is know? one of those things where like it comes up a lot. Especially when someone loses a close friend or a spouse and they become under fire for like, maybe they did it mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's always in that situation where it's like, we put them under a microscope and we go, well, they're acting weird. But you right. also need to try to understand grief and that people process things differently. Yeah. And you need to understand the normal way you would react in that situation. Yeah. Which is to say there is no normal way. Like, some people in that situation might be super laid back and not say anything. Some people would get defensive. And yeah. Some people would try to be more private. Like, it'd be human weirder, beings are weird. It'd be weirder to act completely normal. Right. <laughs> in a situation like that. Human beings are weird, and it's hard to know what is suspicious behavior and what is, mm-hmm. like, regular human behavior in an abnormal situation you could not have predicted yeah yeah i think so um the the thing i wanted to say about walken's defensiveness and i'll keep this brief is just it's a single it's maybe not even a data point maybe it's not even that worthwhile it's like one people magazine interview where a reporter was trying to ask him about what happened that night and um i think that I'm trying to remember if it was in like 87 or something like that. It was like years after, mm-hmm. but not that long after. And I remember uh, reading that he had said that the, the, this was a conversation he would not take part in. And it was a bore, which is a weird way to say that. And apparently the reporter felt that he had snapped and that he was very icy about it. And kind of it just got heated quickly. Yeah. Uh, which is. But I am. Imagine if you're talking to a reporter and you're an actor, it's probably because you have a project that you're working on. That's why you agreed to an interview. Yeah. And how much would it suck if you lost a friend? Yeah. Or maybe, who knows, maybe someone you were closely involved with. We don't know the whole situation, but you lost someone you were close to. Years have gone by. You're trying to move on with your life and your career, and people just keep wanting to talk about that thing that Mm -hmm. you've talked about. Yeah. That other people have talked about. Right. The case is over. Like. Right. This is why I say it's hard to attribute. Maybe the word bore isn't the word I would use, but I kind of understand. It's a bad choice. It's not the wisest choice, but I understand in the heat of the moment why you'd be like, this is boring. Yeah. Like Like, this is, I'm over this. I've talked about this. This is not why we're here. I don't want to think about this. Sure. Probably poor word choice. Not a great word choice. But then you react emotionally. Yeah. So I understand reacting emotionally. This is why I say, you know, it's like, you know, I, I try not to like pass too, too much judgment one way or the other on a lot of these things because they're, they're just, it's, it's, there's a lot of open-ended stuff here. Yeah. Um, I want to move on here to 2011. I'm sure you know this by now. I know you, you know this, that the case was reopened in 2011. Mm-hmm. It was considered closed for a long time. <clears throat> Uh, and then was reopened in 2011. And the reason it was reopened was due to statements by the captain of the yacht, uh, the Splendor, Dennis Davern. Uh, he prepared a sworn statement to... I'm just te- surprised it's not another W name. <laughs> That's, I don't know how many more W names there are in this. There might be... I think there might be one more. We'll see. Um, the He... Um, again, he's the captain of the Splendor. 
He prepared a sworn statement to detectives that claimed that he had not provided all the information to the detectives during the initial investigation, and he provided new details. Uh, essentially, he had not been totally open with them, right? Um, one of the things that he relayed in this statement was that there was a fight on the deck that night, which, you know, had been rumored and okay. talked about before. Um, this was even corroborated years later by Robert Wagner himself in his own memoir hmm. that there was, in fact, a fight on the deck that night. Um, Wagner describes it in his memoir, which he wrote in 2008 before they reopened the investigation. Um, he describes that Christopher Walken is telling Natalie that she, you know, like basically he's encouraging her to pursue her career more fully, that he's saying that his career matters to him more than his personal life. And, you know, shouldn't everyone want to be that way? Like he's you know, explaining his sort of career philosophy. Yeah. And Wagner is getting pissed off. Cause he's like, this is my wife. We have kids. Yeah. I enjoy my life with her. Yeah. Her career is going to take her away from me. Yeah. Like essentially, why are you telling my wife in front of me to spend less time with me? Yeah. So he tells him, mind your own business. She's got enough people telling her how to manage her career. She doesn't need you. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, they fight. And uh, Wagner r recalls Natalie going to bed. And uh, as the fight is sort of escalating and Wagner and Walken end up going up to the upper deck of the boat and basically deciding not to beat the shit out of each other uh, <laughs> up there. Um, and they calm down. And, and that's that's the fight as he remembers it. Mm hmm. Dennis Davern does not remember it that way uh, exactly, or at least he provides more colorful details. He says he can hear Robert Wagner shouting at Christopher Walken saying, you want to fuck my wife? Something to that effect? You want to fuck my wife? Like there's a big, like a jealousy thing going on, you know? Although I can see where that would escalate from that initial argument. It can fit. Of like, yeah, you want to take my wife away from me so she could work more and you... Definitely see some jealousy arising, being like, do you just want to spend more time with her? Yeah. Right. You can see those two stories fitting together. Yeah. Um, I, I could I, I could see Wagner couching things a little bit for his memoir and sure. be like, yeah, a fight happened, and not include the quote of him saying, you want to fuck my wife? <laughs> yeah, like maybe present yourself in your best possible light. Yeah. Um, but Davern also says he remembers hearing Wagner telling <clears throat> someone to get the fuck off my boat. Okay. Um, he remembers that Wagner is particularly anxious shortly after he realizes that Natalie has disappeared. Mm hmm So Davern's response is immediately that we need to call this in, right? Yeah. And he recalls Wagner stopping him and saying they should turn on the searchlight and just wait to see if she shows up. Um, he says that while they waited for her return, Wagner opened a bottle of scotch and poured it for him. And expressed concern that this could all impact his image. So they should just wait to see what happens. Okay. Another one of these things where I wrote specifically, I struggled with how to interpret this. You can see. If you can see it from both sides very easily. You really can. Like, not to give this guy too much credit, but again, this is Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Every little thing becomes a big PR nightmare. Even it, the little things. It's, it's still the tabloid a time, thing. It's still a time when Hollywood did have kind of a more pure image than it does now. And 
that's because they worried about shit like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, if your wife runs off because of a big fight that you had and she's just fine, she's just run off and, you know, like what is the sense necessarily in starting a big giant tabloid story if she's going to come back in an hour or two? Yeah. That's a possible, that's a possible thing that could, that he could have been thinking. Yeah. You know? Um, Especially if, like, they realized the dinghy was gone and they didn't realize it was necessarily missing if it was just not there. I understand. I can really easily understand both sides of, like, give her time. She was upset, too. Uh Let her come back. Let's resolve this on her own without causing a big stink. Mm -hmm. But also, on the other side, like, if you knew she was drunk and everyone was heated... You might be pretty concerned mm-hmm. and want to get her back as soon as possible. I definitely see both sides of that. But I do think the influence of Hollywood and image is not one to poo-poo, especially at that point in time, like you mentioned. You're saying don't poo-poo. I'm saying don't poo-poo it. <laughs> I'm, I believe in trying to understand things in the context in which they occurred. It's it's the charitable principle. It's like yeah. okay, you could you could speculate wildly about anything, but just you know try and interpret all these things. You it know. might be foreign to me now in this day and age. It might be foreign to me as a person because it's not a lifestyle that I live. Yeah. But if I can put myself in someone else's shoes and be like, if it were that time, if it were that place, if I were that person, and these were my surroundings, and these were the circumstances, mm-hmm. I could see myself acting that way for. Multiple different reasons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, um, ultimately, the most important thing about what Dennis Davern has to say. um, Is it Dennis? (laughs) It is Dennis. So, the main thing is that he says that after the events of all of this, he was essentially coached. After her body was found. And after all hey, of this, buddy, was, this is what happened. He was told, you know, you're not going to talk to the lawyers. I have a, or you know, you're not going to talk to detectives. I have a sworn, I have a statement here that you can present. You mm-hmm. know, and of course the, he did, and of course the cops accepted accepted his statement. He basically says he was encouraged not to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. That's a damage control move. Yeah, maybe not, maybe not the most you know, salacious detail because this is kind of procedure when bad things happen anyway. Yeah. Um, so basically after the investigation was reopened in 2011, a lot of details get gathered. Like there's a lot of information that comes in to the, the sheriff's office, right? Uh, the coroner eventually as a result of all this investigation changes the, uh, ruling on her cause of death from drowning to drowning and other determined factors. So whatever they find is significant enough to change the cause of death. Hmm. And also, for the first time, Robert Wagner is considered a person of interest in the investigation, hmm. which he was not before. Surprisingly not. Because in general, it's when someone dies, spouse. Uh, the spouse is always a person of interest, right? Yeah. He wasn't. Well, it was Hollywood. That's Exactly what I thought <laughs> is, all right, it's Hollywood. You can get away with a lot if you have enough money and enough notoriety and you're in the right place. It's just very odd for anyone 
to turn up dead and their spouse isn't even considered a person of interest. Yeah. I think it's kind of uncommon for them not even to be suspected. That is kind of odd. Especially considering that there were four people on that yacht and one of them died. Yeah. Right? Uh, so. I, w- I would expect everyone on the yacht to be considered a person of interest. Sure. Right. Because, you know, there's only there's so many people to look so at. There's only so many people there. But, of course, you know, it was pretty, you know, pretty neatly considered a drowning. And in that case, maybe, maybe I mean. Noguchi says something really interesting in the book that he wrote, and I read an excerpt of this. Uh, he's saying that he, you know, there's a debate amongst people in his, you know, line of work. Profession. Right, of like, is it our duty to always consider these things foul play first? Like, is our civic duty to first consider that it, that it, that it, to consider murder or suspicious circumstances because by starting there, you, you don't rule anything out. Yeah. Um, and he, he seems to be of the opinion that that is their job. Yeah. And, and I can see that argument. But it seems like it's very possible that from... This you know, is kind of like a, a highly debated topic. Yeah. Like, on on the one hand, why cause more pain and strife to a family if you are pretty sure it's an accident? Why have to do an autopsy? Why have to, like... Get more people involved if you're pretty sure it's an accident. And on the other hand, if you do consider everything is potentially foul play, you are more thorough. Yeah. And can be more sure of your observations. You at least don't abandon any avenues of investigation. Yeah. Uh, And it seems like it seems like to some extent they didn't possibly pursue every avenue of investigation. That's really the argument. Um, so skipping ahead a bit, ever since the case was reopened and more information has been revealed and like I said, they changed the cause of death and all these things, there's been an ongoing increase in the public interest in the case, right? Mm -hmm. This is why earlier when I said part of the reason that we're talking about this and you lit up, uh, because we, we, because we had talked about the fact that right now a recently launched podcast called Fatal Voyage, which is hosted by uh, a guy named Dylan Howard. Uh, it's, it, uh, it just launched in July. Mm-hmm. I believe it's going to be 12 episodes. <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure. I know that they have eight done now. It, I think I read 12. So. Okay. It, it launched July 20th, which is apparently, uh, Natalie Wood's 80th birthday. Aw. Um, it features interviews with experts and investigators and, uh, some of the signed statements and stuff that we talked about here on this episode. Uh, so it's back in the, it's back in the news right now, and, and probably again the reason we're talking about it, possibly the reason that Adam thought to mention it to us, mm-hmm. is that there's there's more about this, right? And uh, and uh, there's there's new things to talk about. Um, Dylan Howard, who produces the podcast, I feel like I need to mention this. He may be a controversial guy himself. He's one of these guys who uh, he's been accused of some misconduct in the past. Possibly, mm-hmm. possibly sketchy. I don't want to. Again, I don't want to slander people here, but he's just—he's yeah. just a guy with some baggage. Um, so that might be enough for some people to decide to skip his podcast. But it does seem like it—it it provides a very full account of a lot of the stuff we talked about here. A fuller account, very likely. Again, we're doing one episode on this. Yeah, they've got you know twelve episodes I, to do. I do think that's an important thing to mention. A lot of the things we talk about are covered. By 
other podcasts, other outlets, you know, Mm -hmm. more media. Yeah. And we basically do a nice little synopsis. We do what we can cover in an episode and what we can research in a week or less. Yeah. But, like, if you're into it, go get more from another source. Like, this podcast, um, I think there's a podcast either coming out or is currently out about Nexium, which is a topic we've covered. Yeah, right. So, if that was interesting to you, definitely check that out. Like, mm-hmm. there's always going to be people who are digging in deeper to something like this that has so much mystery surrounding it. Yeah. I think I'm going to listen to that. Yeah, I think I might listen to this, too. Uh, again, I will, it's called it, Fatal Voyage. I, I will at least know. listen to the first episode and see yeah. the tone and what I think of it. I can be a little bit picky when it comes to that stuff. but uh, It's worth mentioning that on this podcast, I mentioned uh, Natalie Wood's sister, Lana, before. Uh, Lana? I mentioned uh, Lana's recollection that her sister's marriage to her husband was... Uh, uh, one that Solid. they worked really hard at, one that uh, one that was important to them. But in the years since, I mean, again, it's been thirty some years. You're slowly pushing a bottle of wine towards me. <laughs> yeah, you want more? Sure. Um, in the years since, um, it does seem like her feelings and memory of uh, her sister's relationship to uh, Robert have changed, and she has a different she has a different feeling now. Um, I don't want to account for why that is or what changed exactly, but uh, but it does seem like she's she has changed her tone a lot on Robert Wagner. I will allow that podcast and her to speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I know time changes a lot of things. Um, but she ha- changes she, things. She has come around to feeling like he may have been responsible uh, in some ways. Um, so anyway. All this to arrive at a very ambiguous conclusion. Um, I think it's really hard to come to a clear determination about what actually happened to Natalie Wood. Well, the actual cause of death is drowning. I mean, uh, we know she drowned, but mm-hmm. how, why? Yeah, what led to that drowning yeah. is layered in a lot of things. There's so many opinions. There's accounts I've left out here. Yeah. Because of the nature of a story like this to lead to tabloid gossip kind of stuff that seems a bit like people want to interject themselves into someone else's story. Yeah. Um, There's been so much time since the events happened that it's just like simple unreliability issues of people's memory are now a factor. And that's a factor – the year after a crime, let alone 30... That's you, a factor several, the know. week after a crime, the day after a crime. Memory is unreliable. Right. People are unreliable. Yeah. Witnesses are not always the best and it's testimony. Way, it's way worse after three decades. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I think it's very hard to determine reliably what actually happened, minus some specific details, right? Cold cases are already more difficult, and I would say that a case that has formerly been closed and then reopened is even more difficult. Oh, yeah. People cement no one's, to reality for one. Yeah, no one's still on the case. No one's even open-minded to trying to keep evidence around or to, yeah. you know, look into things further. It's It was done. Yeah, I think so. It's it's just it's just considered done and it, it just gathers dust. Yeah. Um, I will say this. The biggest conclusion I've actually been able to come to is that even if – setting aside the question of if anyone is actually guilty of anything, right? 
setting that completely aside, um, there are a number of people around who feel guilty. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. Um, you, you've got uh, Robert feeling mm-hmm. responsible in his memoir saying regardless of what happened, you know, it's that it was his duty to his wife, you know, and you can you can believe or disbelieve that he had something to do with it. But that's a feeling he expresses. Right. Um, and then you have Christopher Walken's sort of iciness about this that could easily come from a place of having felt responsible by being part of a fight that might have led her to try to leave. Right. Yeah. And Dennis Davern feeling like he didn't express the whole truth and that guilt, like sitting yeah. with him. And survivor's guilt is a thing. Like when you lose someone close to you. Yeah. Especially if it is a situation like there was a fight and someone decided to leave and it was her and she dies. Yeah. That idea of, well, what if I had just gone away? Sure. What if I had just taken myself out of the situation? She might be alive. That's a real thing that people experience in situations like this. Yeah. I totally understand how there could be a ton of... They all experience a bunch of guilt for incredibly different nuanced reasons. Sure. To say nothing of a story that I left out of here completely until now, but that the director of the of Brainstorm, which was the film that Walken and Wood were working on together, mm-hmm. that guy quit the film industry for like three decades hmm. after whatever everything that happened he just it, it just messed him up and he quit he didn't come back until like the 2010s somewhere right hmm. um so did he ever make a statement as to why he he did he was vague but it was just basically that the whole thing took a toll on him and he just didn't think he could do it anymore who knows i mean he could have heard or thought something that did yeah. or didn't happen and it just got to him it's it's there's not a clear answer to it. Um, it just seems like all of this hints at a collective guilt that I just can't quite grasp at or really understand. But I think survivor's guilt or things like it are at least responsible for a large amount of people's feelings around it. Yeah. Um, I read that there's a reason this case continues to haunt people. Um, that the fact that the investigation the investigation came back from the void to, to turn over new information. Enough to change the the ruling of the cause of death and all of that speaks to the fact that, you know, the full truth is probably yet to be totally revealed. Yeah. And it might not ever be revealed. It it may never be. So much of cases like this, like, especially cold cases or something similar, like in this case, like, you gather the evidence you can gather. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always stand the test of time, especially if it's something like this and you aren't trying to preserve it. Mm-hmm. And even then, so much evidence can be circumstantial. Yeah, right. And when there are so few witnesses to an event, there were four people on that yacht and one was the person who passed away. Right. So there's not a whole lot to gather that isn't memory and hearsay and accusations and speculation like Mm -hmm. that's the hardest part being someone who went to school for forensic science that is always the hardest part and stuff like this like a lot of times connecting the dots and making any meaningful conclusion out of connecting the dots and having enough to even connect the dots sure like you might very well know what happened but sometimes there just isn't physical evidence yeah. That tells that story clearly. Yeah. Or there is, but there's something missing 
connecting it. Like sure. you might have evidence. It's just not enough. I was lucky enough to help on a cold case my mm-hmm. senior year. And I can't still can't talk about it because I'm pretty sure it's still a cold case. But the gist of what happened with that was the same kind of idea of like a lot of people were very sure of exactly what happened. The evidence just wasn't there. Yeah. And that's ultimately all you have to actually put on the desk at the end of the day is what what the evidence is to demonstrate what people already know. Yeah. I mean, you need it's that beyond a reasonable doubt thing. Yeah. Everyone saying that guy did it isn't enough. Yeah, you need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And sometimes the evidence doesn't provide that. Like, there just isn't enough there. Or maybe someone's been good at covering their tracks. Or there weren't many witnesses. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in the case of a drowning, water's involved. Even if there was any kind of evidence on her, it's not now. So, yeah. it can be very difficult, especially after a long point in time. And sometimes it's just hard. Yeah. Sometimes you don't have enough to work with and you're not going to get a conclusion like you want to. It's sad, but it's a fact. Yeah. Like that happens all the time. Now, it's it's entirely possible we'll never know anymore. But I yeah. still would recommend uh, people at least check out uh, Fatal or, uh, 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 yeah, Fatal Voyage. Um, they have twelve episodes worth of stuff to talk about. Yeah, they've and only we've they only summed have it up in one so far. one short episode. So yeah, I would really like to see what they have gathered and what they're going to talk about and yeah. who they're going to talk to. Obviously, they have people they're yeah. interviewing, like her sister and things like that. So. Yeah, um, but that's it. That's all I got. So we I got. Uh, we brought you down with the middle segment, and we just. Kept dragging you <laughs> into the depths. Yeah, that's one of those episodes. <laughs> eh, but it's it's interesting, and it is sad. Yeah. But it is interesting. It, this stuff is captivating for a reason. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully we'll ever get more answers to what actually happened there. Yeah. But for the now. For, for the now. For the now. For now, things are still kind of nebulous and maybe always will be. I obviously haven't listened to any of that podcast, but I have a feeling that I will always be up in the air on this. Yeah, right. It's just one of the, it's one of those things where you know, uh, how many times can we make this point? It's just going to remain vague until someone either says, "Yep, this happened, and I did it," or or we or we oh, keep wondering, find, miraculously find physical evidence that wasn't found before, but yeah. it's kind of unlikely at this point. Yeah. So anyway. That was this incredibly nebulous episode. (laughs) Hope you have a nice week. What are you doing? You like kicking up with your, you you got your wool socks on. You having a nice little, little relax there. Your down coat. Is that where you're going? (laughs) No, I I definitely mean socks. Well, she was also wearing a down coat. Yes. And wool socks. Yeah. I thought you were referencing back to Natalie. No, I was not. Oh, we're on a first name basis now. I don't think down socks exist. She had wool socks on. Yes, but I'm saying down socks. Oh, I thought you said wool socks. What did I say? I thought you said wool socks. <sighs> I said boy. down coat. I was trying to make a reference now back I'm so to confused. Natalie. It went off the rails. Um, Sorry, guys. I was trying to tie something back in. <laughs> it failed. <laughs> um. Anyway, this has been Goose Chase. Oh, down. <laughs> Goose. 
Yeah. There's a tie-in. <laughs> Goose chase. <laughs> Man, we have really botched the fuck out of this well, land. There's been some wine. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. I don't I don't know why you're still listening, but thank you for <laughs> listening to Goose Chase. Please keep sending us your suggestions. We yes, like them. We our really list like them. is getting a little bit short. Yeah, and people are, and the thing is, the suggestions that you guys send in are all really cool. This is another one. Adam, thank you for suggesting yeah. this one, because it's one we wouldn't have thought to do. He and suggested cool. a couple things, so yeah. uh, we will... Uh, Keep plugging away at the list, and we do appreciate your suggestions. Yeah. And in fact, uh, send it, them in. I think we even just got one from Bo recently, uh, who uh, is he's a, he's a buddy of Chris's, and uh, I I, I wrote it on our it list. Was. I don't want to spoil it yet. I don't want to say it, but Bo suggested something to us, and I, I remember I have a reading it'll make it. it onto the. I feel it'll, it'll make it onto the list. Or, or I feel like most things that people suggest are going to make it onto the show. Yeah. So don't be shy. So anyway. Thanks for listening to Goose Chase. Goose Chase. We'll see you next week with another Goose Chase. <gasps> another one? Yet another one. Oh, they're so lucky. Thanks for uh, listening to us for 50 episodes. We have had a lot of fun making them. Here's to another 50 more. Right? I was going to say that. You stole my thunder. Oh, uh, well, let's try that again. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> no, for no, listening no, no, no. to us for another, for, for 50 episodes. Flewigoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodoodood